0: Hello everybody and welcome back. This is week three of the Illinois High School football season. My name is Robbie Jeffers. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We have some big things to talk about as far as week two results. A huge game in the Central State 8 that took place last week at West Campus, Glenwood SHG. You know we're going to cover that in detail. That was our game of the week last week. It did not disappoint. Uh, I was personally at our game of the week for the Sangamo in Athens, and I've got some interesting things to talk about with that, Um, at least what I thought was interesting. uh, It's a tale of two halves there in Athens, Uh, so we'll talk about that, and uh, South Central as always, we're covering for for week two recap and week three picks uh, across the area, as well as some huge performances, some crazy stat lines from last week. Uh, all over the place, so we're gonna highlight that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So Central State 8, week two, uh, headlined, as I said before, by Glenwood at SHG. And I'll be honest, when I picked this game before last week, I was not aware that Glenwood was on a 23-game losing streak to Sacred Art Griffin. It might have skewed my pick. I went with Glenwood. They made me look good. Um, but boy, what a game it was at West Campus. Jay Hansborough, have a day. Uh, you watch the highlights, uh, and it looked like, and I, I was looking at the stat line, he had 159 yards rushing. It looked like he ran all over the Cyclones. Uh, just all over and, and was dominant. Um, huge game from Jay Hansborough. And uh, Austin Schiff with a touchdown. I mean, Glenwood was, and, and I, I, I have to check, I'm not sure, but I think they led it wire to wire. Um, I th- GL- uh, SHG may have gotten an early lead. But every time I checked, Glenwood was ahead. And I think that was from the end of the first quarter on. So I think they led wire to wire. I know they were up to half. Um, and it just, watching that game from, you know, following it from afar, uh, through tweets and and other things, uh, Glenwood just, I mean, they just came to play. They were they were focused. They were ready to go. It seems like SHG, that was their first home game. Um Crazy thing that I read for from SJR—they've now lost in in back-to-back home games and back-to-back week two. Uh, they lost last year week two MacArthur, and that was a huge upset. This was just as big, if not bigger, um, this week with or this past week with Glenwood—an uh, improbable win as far if you look at the record. Obviously, the recent record. Uh, not many people had Glenwood winning this game, I'm sure, uh, but, but huge performances, again, from uh, Luke Langan and Jay Hansborough and, and Austin Schiff and, uh, you know, big plays all around uh, for, for Glenwood. On the flip side, SHG, Sam Sweetland, looked, I mean, he had a tough game, um, was taken out a couple plays there, I think, in the fourth quarter, replaced with Isaiah Thompson. I think that was just a, a move by Ken Leonard to kind of wake, um, you know, Sam Sweetland up. I think it worked. Obviously, they came back and they they, they got it uh, within four, and it was right there on that last drive. Tyler Burris for Glenden had a huge fourth quarter sack on Sam Sweetland, and really effectively sealed the game. I know there, you know, there was another there was a fourth down after that, but um, you know you're you're facing a huge third and long and and then you get that sack and it's fourth and even longer it's fourth and a mile it's you're gonna have a hard time converting that um you know just watching again watching the highlights of the game looked like a a late season playoff atmosphere people standing all around the field all around you know and the bleachers and everything Um, that place looked packed out there and you know, great showing by the Glenwood fans. Obviously, it's not that far, but great showing by Glenwood. Um, you know, huge support. Every time there was a big play, they, it, you know, from what I could tell, they went nuts on the side. So, um, you know, that helps boost the, uh, the morale for, for these kids, I'm sure. And Glenwood fans, hey, savoring the win. Take, you know, on the field, uh, taking pictures with the scoreboard bragging a little bit hey they deserve it they've lost 23 in a row to this team or to this school and to get this one and this year uh we talked you know i talked about it week one i thought glenwood had a chance to to make some noise and and upset kind of what's been the status quo of this conference now glenwood's a top three program and has been for some time but Uh, you know, it's, it's always been Rochester, SHG, those have been the the two big heads to talk about and, and, uh, rightfully so, you know, state titles all around and, and deep playoff runs all around. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's warranted, but Glenwood coming in and at SHG taking this one, 27, 23, um, you know, huge win, obviously for the Titans. And uh, Friday was a great day. <laughs> a great day to be a Titan. Uh, that was a that was a awesome uh, celebration afterwards by their fans and their players. And uh, you know, heard Ken Leonard say on the radio, you gotta go back and watch film and see what happened. Um, it's just something that, you know, it, it didn't really ever seem like SHG got that momentum. And um, big, you know, a big game from Kate Holloway. Uh, some, uh, crazy catch, uh, where it looked like a defender might've barely just missed just taking him out, but he held on anyway. Um, anyway, yeah, big, big game from, from Holloway. Uh, and you know, what else can you say that hasn't already been said? Uh, good job to Glenwood. Thank you for, for, <laughs> for making me look good for picking you guys last week and uh, looking forward to the rest of the season and see what Glenwood does. Uh, another, some other games in the, in the Central State 8 last week. Uh, U-High at Rochester. Rochester took this one 42-7. This was the Clay Bruno show. Uh, if, if anybody questioned that, that Clay Bruno could could step into this role for you know a departing Nick Baker and be effective, 17-25, to 25, 237 yards, three touchdowns. That's passing. Another 55 yards on the ground and another rushing touchdown. So responsible for over 300 yards total, four touchdowns. Uh, Riley Lewis, Cade Eddington, huge games. Lewis, six catches, 93 yards, touchdown. Cade Eddington, nine catches, 150 yards and a touchdown. Rochester is Rochester. Um, No surprise. Uh, But, you know, Clay Bruno showing out. Uh, Great game from him. Rochester takes that one. They are 2-0. My surprise of the week, I think, was Eisenhower and Landfear uh, Landfear taking this one 39-6. Eisenhower drops to 0-2. Lanphier to 1-1. Uh, Eisenhower's still trying to figure it out. Uh, we've talked about, you know, that new coaching you know, coaching staff over there. They're I'm sure they're still trying to get their schemes and stuff in. And get players to gel. They're trying to figure out personnel still. Uh, toward John Evans. Not you know, not crazy jumping off the, the stat sheet. 30-something 30, 30 yards rushing after 120-something week one. Highly touted coming in. Transfer. Obviously, he and his brothers. Very, very talented kids. Um, unfortunately, Eisenhower just doesn't have it right now. And I did miss that pick. I picked them to... to the win against Lanphier, however, good on Lanphier. Um, You know, putting up points, putting up yards. Uh, Narkel LaFleur, LaFleur, uh, 18 rush, uh, 233 yards, t- three touchdowns. Gerald Cole, another 14 carries, 134 yards. Lanphier getting it done. Credit Lanphier for showing up, uh, regardless of what's going on in Eisenhower. That, those are huge numbers for uh and looking forward to seeing if they can continue that throughout the rest of the season uh macarthur over jacksonville 20 to 14 macarthur continued to uh, impress and and maybe you know myself included maybe even surprise some people um keeping chris poley uh jacksonville running back who had a huge you know week one holding him to 24 yards uh, great defensive performance by the Generals, and uh, it doesn't—you know—it doesn't seem like this MacArthur team is is pulling out any kind of gimmicks or tricks. They're just pulling out close games. Uh, so credit Coach Spates over there. That's a well-coached team. Uh, they've got they've got a system in place, and it's working for them. Uh, MacArthur at two zero oh now. And then we had uh, I just up there with. <laughs> Right up there with Glenwood SHG was, as far as it being exciting, was Springfield High at Southeast. Uh, Springfield High takes this one 45-39 in overtime. And I think at one point uh, Southeast had a double-digit lead, possibly double-digit lead in the second half. Springfield High comes back. Listen to this stat line. Freshman quarterback Rashad Rochelle, Springfield High, okay? 12 of 25, 313 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. 313 yards on 12 receptions. Or I'm sorry, 12 completions. As a freshman, very, very talented athlete, obviously. He's the real deal. Um, I had talked about last week, not knowing all the circumstances around why he was playing as much as he was week one. And said, you know, if he can get accustomed to this you know, this level of competition or this speed, I, he had the tools athletically, physically to be a good player for Springfield High, and then he does this. And, yeah, Rashad Rochelle, the real deal. Um, Cam Jones, a huge day, seven catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. But Justin Bibbins walks it off in OT. He says, you know, that's all well and good, but I'm going to do mine and 20 carries 204 touchdown to win it in overtime. Springfield High what was what was so surprising I think was you looked at week 1 against MacArthur and you said okay, 6 points? Like is that the Springfield High we're going to see is the athletes all over. Um, but are we going to get 6 point, you know, 13 point, 10 point, whatever it is? under 20 point Springfield High all season and then they come out and do this now Southeast is obviously still playing hard they're right in it until the end here but that that trio of Rochelle Jones and Bivens uh just too much for for the Spartans I I, and and Southeast and I, I tweeted it earlier you know I think it was Saturday um 0-2, 0-2, but it's a quality, it's a quality team. Uh, they they went up against Rochester week one. And Derek Leonard had all the praise for him in the world saying that's a good team. It's a well-coached team, it's a playoff team if they can get to five wins. Um, and again, they're right in it here. But now you've you've you know you started 0-2 and, and they've got some adversity. Can they come back from that? Um, you know, can they can they rebound, and, and can they now make a run? Now they've got Eisenhower this week, who's, who's also 0-2. Uh, so somebody's got to take a win there and try to build some momentum for the rest of the season and get out of that hole that they've that they've kind of found themselves in early. Uh, so that was Week 2. Again, huge stat lines all over the place for, for CS8 in Week 2. Um, some huge games. Uh, we've got this week three. We've got Glenwood at Springfield High. Uh, MacArthur is at Normal U High. Jacksonville at Rochester. Landfair at SHG, and Southeast at Eisenhower. That's at Milliken on Saturday. So we just talked about Southeast and Eisenhower. I think Southeast is going to take this and, and get on the board for their first win uh, of the season. Eisenhower, I, I've picked them two weeks in a row. And I, I haven't seen them in person, uh, just in what I've seen in highlights, but it just seems like they're just trying to figure out who they are and what they have. And I think Southeast is kind of already past that. They've just run into some tough, you know, week one and week two opponents and, and you know, huge performances by, by Springfield High last week that, that overcame Southeast. Uh, Landfear at Southeast, uh, I'm sorry, at Springfield, uh, Sacred Heart Griffin, rather um got to go SHG here. They're going to be hungry to rebound from from last week with with Glenwood. Uh I'm going Rochester over Jacksonville. And if Clay Bruno does, you know, uh, a fraction of what he did in week week 2, uh the rest of the season, you know, as far as being efficient and, and taking care of the ball and finding his guys, um you know, four scores, again, responsible for, for four scores last week. Uh, Rochester's just as dangerous as it had been at any time in the past several years. Um, and watch out for the Rockets, that's all I can say. MacArthur at Normal U High. Normal U High, another team that's at 0-2. They started out with, you know, uh, SHG Week 1 and Rochester Week 2. It's not really getting much easier for them. MacArthur... It's going to come into probably normal U-High and, and take you know Week Three, uh, and that's huge for MacArthur three and O. Man, that's yeah, that's big. Uh, and you know, beating some teams that haven't shown much yet this year. Um, Jacksonville had a good Week One win, but you know they they're they're in a good spot right now. They have momentum, they're confident, uh, and they're playing their game. And so uh, I, I think MacArthur is going to take that one. Glenwood at Springfield High. And this is my game of the week. Um question that I have is which Springfield High team is going to show up? Is it going to be six-point week one Springfield High, or is it going to be 45-point week two Springfield High? And I think a lot of it depends on can the Glenwood uh, defense contain Rochelle, Jones, and Bivens, if they can, give me Glenwood. But if they can't, Springfield High is going to be in this thing until the end. And they may pull this out. In the end, I'm going to pick Glenwood. But I will not be surprised one bit if it's a shootout and Springfield High wins it. Because what they showed in Week 2 against Southeast, against that good team that we've talked about, can can stand right there toe to toe with anybody. So uh, last week in, in in picks we went two and three. I I'll take it because I got the Glenwood pick. So I'm happy. I don't you know outside of that we missed on uh, Eisenhower. Missed on um you know the others everything but basically Glenwood and Rochester missed on. But hey. Uh, five and five through two weeks, so we're 500 there. It gets a little better than the other conferences, so I'm going to talk about that. But um, keep in mind, weather's going to be a, perfor- a factor in- everywhere, uh, really, in-, in this area this coming week. Looks like we've got some storms rolling in, some heavy rain, ball security, uh, who can run it the best, really, uh, I think is is... It's it's hard to throw that wet ball. It really is, um, and so ball security is going to play a huge factor. It may even swing a couple of these close games. Uh, so it may it may be the difference in a Glenwood Springfield High, or it may be the difference in a Southeast Disenhower. Um You never know, uh, but it's something to watch for. So that's my recap of the Central State Eight for last week, and look forward. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back with the Sangamo here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. All right. So looking at the Sangamo week two, uh, we had some some games really that honestly weren't weren't surprising uh, as far as a result, and then uh, one that was actually our game of the week that I was I was at uh, and and was surprised at how different the first and second half were so let's get in I want to get into that real fast Plains at Athens was our game of the week in the the Sangamo last week Athens ends up winning uh, 36-15 to so the game starts out and uh, Plains is on the board first Um, let me just start out by saying Tristan Tavis is a monster Um, he was a monster all game Um, and Really got planes going they found in the first half. They they found open lanes on the field So basically every time they would go wide side Every time there was a wide side of the field they were on one hash and there was a wide side They would find a way to get that ball into that alley so whether that was a jet sweep whether that was um, you know, they were they were splitting guys out wide and stretching the boundary and then sealing that off tackle, they were finding ways to get in that space, and it, it didn't seem like the Athens defense was adjusting well to that. Um, when whenever they would try to, uh, whenever they would line up out wide, it was quick passes to the slot, and and Athens picked one off early. Uh, it was a tip pass, and and it was it was to a guy basically on a on a slant or you know a little slant and go. Um, it got tipped, got picked. Um, and so, you know, Athens, Athens got on the board. But it, it was a slow half for Athens, and they were worn out defensively, I thought. Um, they they got it close towards the end of the first half. It was 15-14 at the half, Plains. But Plains really had a lot of the momentum at halftime. Um, I thought that... At halftime, I remember thinking, if if Plains could come out and and do even what they did just in the first quarter, I felt like Athens was was tired and that they they may not be able to make it make it up make up that ground. It was a close game, but momentum still felt like it was in Plains' favor. Um, and they never Plains really never got a running game going. They more tried to put the ball in the air. Now I know that they had some some uh, line shuffle, and it was a different line, I think, than week one where Lucas Westford ran wild. Um, he really wasn't as effective. I, he, he didn't have anywhere near as many yards. I think he was under um, under 50 yards, probably, from what I saw. Uh, Tristan Tavis, as I get, again, as I said, Six catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Um, one of the passes that he caught in the first half out of the slot was a 20-yard beast mode run. Basically, he catches the ball, turns, and there's guys all over him. He barrels in for the touchdown. Um, and then impact guy on defense, too. 14 tackles plus a pick. Um, dude is, is going to be a nightmare to try to plan for. For the rest of this conference, and whoever gets them in the playoffs, I feel sorry because uh, they're gonna have to deal with hopefully a a beast in Tristan Davis. And hopefully he's healthy still. Uh, obviously you don't want to get too far ahead, but yeah, that's uh, this game was a a absolute tale of two halves. Um, Athens comes out in the second half, and they just pound the ball on planes and they were I mean they were given the guy Athens has no shortage of guys that they can give to that can get it done for them on the ground uh, Nick Laird uh, Floyd the Giovanna did Giovanna had 158 yards rushing and you almost wouldn't even have known and then you have Caleb Orm, who had a big performance you know uh, big game week one against Williamsville Comes back. He has a touchdown. Um, Laird, I think, had seventy something yards. Floyd had some great runs. Um, both of those guys run super hard. And I mean, Athens just has. They may not be a big play offense, but as far as like what we typically think big play through the air, you know, over the top stuff like that. But if you sleep on on one play on them, they're going to gouge you on a huge run out of that wing offense. It's 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 crazy how the quality of guys that they have in that backfield is, I mean, it's so close together. And they all run very hard, um, you know, all good with the ball, it seemed like, at least from from what I could tell week one. So, uh, Athens ends up pulling away in the second half and taking this one 36-15, and uh, Great win for Athens getting on the board uh and evening up one and one on the season. Plains obviously dropping to one and one. But I think Plains is gonna be fine. I think they if they can stick to what they were running in the first half, obviously it's gonna be different with different defenses, but they had a lot of success in the first half, uh getting the guy getting the ball to guys in space, and that was huge. Uh, if they can continue to do that, Flanagan looked good in the backfield. Of, you know, as quarterback for Plains, was able to get the ball around pretty effectively. Uh, and they're going to need a good running game, obviously, to supplement that. They have guys to do that. Western was just shut down in this game. Um, he didn't get a ton of touches. Uh, the touches he did get, he, he ran hard. But there was just, you know, this defense was was plugging up holes in between the tackles and all that kind of stuff. So, uh Western will be effective down the road, and he's going to be a huge impact guy for them too. So, um, you know, he's still, a, a, regardless of what happened last week, he's still a guy to watch for them. Elsewhere around the conference, we had Auburn beating Pittsfield 49-8. Uh, chance was just way, you know, Destin Chance way too much for Pittsfield. A couple passing touchdowns, long run. He had a pick on defense for the second week in a row. Um, just an all-around, you know, all-conference uh, may even be all-state by the time the season is over. The numbers he's going to put up for Auburn, uh, but just too much for, for Pittsfield. Moroa 35-7 over New Berlin. Um, newsflash: the number one team in 2A is really good, uh, and <laughs> that's that should be no surprise. It's Moroa is Moroa. Uh, the defense holding to 13 points through two weeks. So credit whatever they've got going on over there, whatever's in the water. Maroa Forsythe. Uh, they just keep plugging in guys, and Trojans are really good. The, expect them to be there, right there, playing for champagne at the end of the year, based on how they look right now. I know that Coach Joseph, if, if you ask him, he's going to say, yeah, we've got a lot of things to clean up. And and he knows this guy's better than anybody. But looking at it from the outside in, they have not skipped a beat. Uh and, and they are who they are. Uh, they are who we thought they were. But Moroa rolls in this one 35-7. New Berlin, it's tough. Uh, dropping to, to 0-2. So, uh, t- you know, week one Auburn, week two Moroa. That's that's really hard to start the season. And and they're kind of in that like same uh, state as like a Southeast. You know, they've just played two really good teams. I I think New Berlin is a good team. And I think that they're going to win some games and they're going to push for the playoffs. But just like Southeast, I think they've gotten themselves – they found themselves in a situation – I don't want to say they've gotten themselves in a situation because they've played – I think they've played hard. Even though the score hasn't reflected it this past week, I think they – you know, they're still playing hard. Um, Programs like New Berlin are are always going to play hard. But um, I think that they can be there – right there contending for the playoffs at the end of the year. I think they've just they've got to get they've gotta get a win and then they've got to get two wins and get some of that, you know, some of that out of their head about being 0 and 2. but Moroa takes this one 35 seven. Porta at North Mac. North Mac takes this one 31 eight and uh, Jake Malink's a stud for North Mac. They've got some speed. I think in the in times past we've talked about uh, there's been you know some talk about their line and the big sexies and and all this stuff but they've got speed on the outside don't count north Mac out uh, I think that they can possibly pull an upset or two if if, if they get slept on uh, they're gonna they're gonna pull one out against one of these these higher tier teams in the, in the Sangamo they're one and one um, you know again it's gonna be interesting to see uh, kind of what you know how the course for, goes for them Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a team to watch, uh, for sure. Looking at the last game, uh, in, in the Sangamo from last week, Williamsville at Riverton. No surprises here. Bullets rolled, running clock, 55-6. Not much to say. Uh, Williamsville spread it out. Um, you know, dominant, dominant performance. Uh, Riverton is, uh. Looking at possibly, probably, an 0-9 season. Unless they can figure it out. So, Williamsville 2-0. Week 3, uh, we've got Athens at Porta. That's a bragging rights game. I think Athens wins this one easily. Porta's just, again, another 0-2 team. But they don't, it doesn't feel like they are really moving towards the right direction. At least this season. Um, as a program overall, I have no you know doubts about you know anything going on there. But, um it just you know they've they've had some some tough breaks in the first couple weeks and I think that they they walk away from this one and and they're gonna try to figure out what you know what to do for the rest of the, the rest of the season. Uh, Athens, give me Athens in that one. Uh, New Berlin at North Mac. Uh, this one's an intriguing game. Uh, give me New Berlin to get their first win. I'm taking an upset. I'm taking a road win for New Berlin at North Mac. Uh, just have a feeling about that one. Pittsfield at Moroa. The question on this one will probably be what, at what point does the running clock start? Same with Riverton at Plains. Another running clock. What you know? How soon can, in the second half, can can they get to running clocks? Unfortunately for Pittsfield and Riverton. Uh, so give me Moroa over Pittsfield. Give me Plains over Riverton. And then our game of the week. This is a big one, and this is always a big one. But especially right now, both teams 2-0. Auburn at Williamsville, uh, and I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going I'm going Williamsville, and I think that as much as I've talked about Destin Chance, and I think he's a great player, I think that Damon Cody just has a better supporting cast around him, uh, a better line, and that's not a knock on Auburn. Obviously, Auburn is 2-0 for a reason. They're a good team. They're a well-coached team. Um, I, I just think that Williamsville has a little bit too much for them right now. And, uh, you can't count out the experience, obviously, that Destin Chance has. Um, obviously a very well-experienced varsity player for Auburn, but give me Williamsville at home. Uh, and so with that said, I'm, I'm 10 and 0 in picks in two weeks in the Sangamo. So pretty proud of that. Um. Hopefully, week three... I don't know, I got some tough ones in there. I... Honestly, I think that that... um, I truly think that the North Mac and New Berlin game is, is nearly just as intriguing to me as auburn at wavesville um I, I think just and how it shapes up kind of that second level of the sangamo and could you know be a launching point for one of these teams to make a make a run mid-season to late season to get in the playoffs um so i anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna take new berlin there but i'm pretty proud of that 10-0 in two weeks uh and uh, we'll see what what week three does to me. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back and wrap up uh, with South Central and uh, talk about a few other things here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. All right, so uh, here wrapping up, we want to go. I want to go over the South Central Conference week two, um, and I don't have a ton of. Uh, results statistics around some of these games uh, just because they weren't it's hard to it's hard to find some stuff around these uh, these schools uh, more more southern Illinois but uh, just going over uh, picks uh, we had another uh, good week in the South Central as well uh, and I believe yeah we went 5-0 and o last week uh, we're 9-1 and one overall in two weeks in the South Central uh, with one one pick that was incorrect in week one, um, but we picked picked week two. Uh, you know, obviously nailed it on the head. Carlinville over Gillespie, uh, and I think Jared Easterday had another big game, 189 yards passing. Um, so he's you know Carlinville's uh, load, uh, and it will continue to be so over the the rest of the season. Greenville over Staunton. Uh, I had this one as no surprise just because I thought that Greenville would would rebound after the week one loss to Pena, and they they sure did. Um, Held Staunton's running back, Drew Mullenix, to not what he had week one. He had 176 week one, and I think he might have had under 50 yards uh, again week two. So uh, Greenville defense stepping up there. Uh, Vandalia over Hillsborough. And... um, I don't have a lot of detail around that game. I'm trying to find some more um, outlets to find South Central stats uh, going forward. Paisal over Litchfield. Uh, Paisal just taking advantage of a shorthanded Litchfield program uh, right now. And Litchfield, I'm sure, is doing what they can to, to deal with that. But Paisal, take that one. And then Pena over Roxana. Uh, Pena was without a key player that they lost from week one. One of them that they lost week one in the middle of the game, or second half, I believe, uh, they ended up getting back, and he had a he had a big game, a couple touchdowns uh, in Bryce Edmiston. Uh, Edmo's going to be a, a big factor for them going forward, and, and fingers crossed he can stay healthy. Uh, Cody Klein, another big game. Jack Armstrong, tip, you know, typical names you're talking about. We talked about last week seeing if they can get the running game going. Seemed like Mason Mazir, Lane Perry, got the ball a little bit more. Um, against the shells and, and got things going a little bit more. I think Mazir had a touchdown. Perry had some runs out of a wildcat. Um, and so from everything I heard, uh, they were they were pretty effective. And uh, Pena took that one uh, big. So they're 2-0. Uh, looking at week three, we've got Gillespie at Pena. Give me Pena. Um, and they're just rolling right now. Uh, and if they can get that running game going, in addition to what they can do with Armstrong and the receivers on the outside, who they're gonna be tough. Um, Litchfield at Carlinville, give me the Cavaliers in this one. Litchfield's still just not enough, and Carlinville's really tough this year. Payasaw at Staunton, I'm gonna take Staunton. Um, this one I felt like was a toss up, but I'll at, by default I'll go home team. Uh, I'll take the dogs in that one. Roxana at Hillsboro. Again, this is another one I I tried to gauge kind of how Roxana was after this past week and was told that's probably a a four or five win team, Um, even with what they've dealt with so far um, and how they performed against Pena. Still, you know, still sounds like they're a well coached team and they're a tough team that's going to cause some problems later on in the year. But give me Hillsborough here. Uh, Vandalia at Greenville this is my game of the week and I'm going Greenville Uh, Vandalia got him last year uh, after Greenville took the regular season game and I think Vandalia got him back in the playoffs and took it and that's got a sting for Greenville and I think that Greenville has enough to to beat again in the regular season this year they may meet up again in the playoffs who knows it always seems like these south central teams meet up again second round quarters um and it's unfortunate because you know they're good teams and they get you know they're making deep playoff runs but you hate to see like teams like that knock each other out earlier on um i don't know if if they've met in a semi if, if south central teams have met in a semi obviously i know there's you know there's all these factors and, and how they're seated and, and how, how it all shakes out. Obviously that, that, makes all sense, but, um, you know, they've, these, these teams meeting in, in the playoffs is, is tough, but I'm sure this one still stings for Greenville. Um, and so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens here with, uh, Dyke at Greenville. But give me, give me the comments at home. I actually went chalk at home this year. I, I'm sorry, this week. Um, I, I don't know why. Uh, it just seemed to be that way. Taking all home teams. Uh, but overall, again, like I said, we're 9-1 in the South Central for the year. And I am hoping week three is good to me uh, as far as picks go. So, uh, unfortunately, a short recap this week and, and look forward for the South Central Um, We'll work to to have a little bit more uh, detail around these games going forward, but uh, South Central is a good conference, uh, top to bottom. So uh, they're going to get their dues come later in the year, I'm sure. Uh, But that's it for the South Central. We'll take another quick break, and we will wrap up. I want to talk about a big-time area performance uh, a little bit further south uh, when we come back on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast. Alright, so wrapping up uh, this week's episode of the podcast, uh, obviously we've talked at length about uh, the conferences that we cover and um, starting to take shape here, uh, even just a couple weeks into the season. Now we're almost through week three. You're going to start to see this, you know, the biggest uh, improvement they say for any football team is between uh, weeks one and two, I believe. Um, and so, in some instances, we saw that. Uh, and definitely in the CSA, I felt like we saw that in Springfield High, um, and Athens as well. Uh, I thought they they came out and, and you know played really hard in the second half of that game with Plains, and pulled away from them. Um, North Mac, another team that that put it together week two, uh, and so credit all those you know those coaching staffs and those players um for for making big jumps and and in, in week two but the biggest jump in week two i felt like was uh a performance that uh a kid that you know we've we've heard some about and there's been some coverage around you know he could have a really good year and just based on the the guys around him and and the team and and on all these different things but Unfortunately, we don't get to cover this team much because they've, they've moved to a different conference and they're now in the Apollo, was a Central State Eight team, and that's Taylorville. And specifically, talking about Brandon Odom, uh, against Effingham last week, 559 yards passing, I think Taylorville put up 60 plus on the hearts, um, and who dominance. Dominant. Receiver, and uh, I apologize, I'm, I'm not going to even try to, to pronounce his name because I'm going to butcher it. Um, I'll go with Yemi because I, I think that's what his first name is. Um, setting a uh, – or getting his name into the record books for all-time receiving. Over 300 yards receiving. Um, and, and this was a team that had a receiver that broke the single-game record last year, Justin Wright. Taylor uh, Taylorville's passing offense is uh, – Potent's not even the word for it. It's dominant. Um, And dominant's probably not even a word for it. Um, But that's what I'm going with right now because 559 yards passing, he's the leading passer in the state at 700 plus yards. Nobody's even within 200 yards of him um, as far as passing yards. And so great performance week one, amazing performance week two. I'm really intrigued to see what Brandon Notum does the rest of the year, and um, someone that we've talked about here, but someone that's going to continue to get a lot more coverage if he keeps putting up these these Madden-type numbers uh, on Friday nights uh, against these uh, opponents in the Apollo. And um, he has a chance to put up some insane numbers this year. uh, Passing, I think he had over 2,500 yards passing last year. He's probably going to go over three thousand this year. I mean, that's just just looking at weeks one and two. He's got seven hundred and ninety-four, ninety-five, something like that. So um, he's on his way, obviously, to over three thousand yards and and then some. Uh, and he's going to be pivotal to the success that that Taylorville's going to have. And they're a uh, a ranked team. I think they're fourth now in four A. So they're 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 knocking on Rochester's door and saying, hey, you may have gotten this in the past, but this is a different, feels like a different Taylorville team um, just from what I've seen. And if you if you want to watch highlights of anything, check out Breeze Courier on, on YouTube. It's Taylorville's news. Um, they are covering both Pena and Taylorville uh, in in detail with some video highlights and stuff like that. So check out their stuff. Um, if you want to get a glimpse at Brandon Odom, you um, Everybody's gonna know his name by the time this season is over, if they don't already. Um, so he's he's someone that I'm I'm thrilled to watch, and and you like to see, you know, crazy numbers like that. And uh, I'd I'd like to get down to a, a game uh, in person if I can this year to to see him. Um, name the Chicago Bears high school player of the week for the state of Illinois. Congratulations to Brandon Odom, Taylorville quarterback. Again, five hundred and fifty-nine yards passing. It's Effingham, leading passer in the state um, probably one of the, one of the tops in, in this region. Um, so, you know, something to watch going forward. Uh, also recognized by the Chicago Bears, coach David Hay of Glenwood coach of the week. So again, week two, really good for central Illinois high school football. And, uh, You know, can't wait to see what the rest of the season uh, has in store. Again, remember, if you're going out to games Friday night, weather is supposed to be terrible, torrential downpours. I've seen uh, uh, forecasts of six to eight inches of rain in some places. I think that was more southwest or over towards Jacksonville. But it's going to be a wet one this Friday and Saturday, all weekend. Uh, So, you know, take your ponchos, take your umbrellas. But have some fun because we're in the middle of Central Illinois High School football season. And uh, I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. Thank you again for joining me on episode or week three of this podcast. I'm looking forward to, uh, to the rest of the year. But uh, everybody have a good week. And uh, we'll talk to you next week here on the Land of Lincoln Prep Football Podcast.